Hey travelers, it's Nicole, your host from Travel Unpacked, and I wanted to hop on before we start our next episode to tell you about an exciting sale we've got going on. Now, through February 26th, Europe is up to 15% off. That's right, select tours to Europe are up to 15% off. So whether you've been dreaming about trying the pasta in Italy or enjoying a croissant in Paris, the paella in Spain, overnighting in a beautiful castle in Ireland, or seeing the beauty of the Swiss Alps, just visit our website at gocolette.com and use the offer code EUROPE24 and start planning your next adventure. Happy travels and see you on tour. I feel like a winner after seeing the moose and now being good at trivia. It's been a good week. It's been a great week. So you got that, Nicole. But how about this one? What was the name of the main character and what was the name of the town she lived in? Angela Lansbury. Her name was, was it Kathy something? Am I thinking of Misery? Kathy Bates. That's Misery. No, no. No, no. I know Angela Lansbury. She she played, it wasn't Agatha Christie because that's a real life author. She from Maine. So much pressure. Hi. Hi. Welcome to another episode of Travel Unpack, where we unpack all things travel. And today we're going to explore a really great state in New England and hear from a guest who went herself. Before we get into that, what have you been up to lately, Kelsey? You know, it's February. I like to take February to slow down a bit because November and December are so busy. But I will say that I have kept up on my New Year's resolution. So I decided to create new habits. And my habits were working out five days a week, washing my face every morning and night, taking all my vitamins and saying three gratitudes a day. And I printed out this really cute habit tracker. And every night I get to like color in a little square for every habit I've done. And it's making this pretty mural picture. And I've stayed up on that. So that's that's what I've been doing. I've been focusing on my New Year's resolutions. Usually by February, people give up on them. I love that. And that's very on brand for you, Kelsey. So for our listeners, we, we every January as a company, we have a, a town hall that everybody gets together and we just s- sort of celebrate people who are having milestone anniversaries at the company, five years, 10 years. We had a 35 year, we had a 50 year this this year, our, our executive chairman, my dad. But yeah, we, we have people who've been here, you know, in marketing. We have a woman who's been here 35 years, Rachel. Mm. And then we also celebrate our values. And our values at Colette are be happy, be trailblazers, be the legacy, and be responsible. And employees have to vote on who's living these values. And Kelsey actually won the Be Happy Award this year. So I feel like those resolutions are so on brand for you with the gratitude and everything because you're just like such a positive energy and such a positive person. Obviously, there's a lot of agreement around that because you were voted into this awesome award. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I was really honored to get it. I think, I don't know, I just try to do everything with a little bit of positivity. I think it's really easy to go down a negative mindset or just get frustrated with things. But I think when you just like when you choose happy, you are happy and it spreads. Absolutely. And you live that every day. I see that. And I'm very grateful as well. You're very happy. To have you. No, to have you. To have you in my life. <laughs> to, ha- to work together, to do the podcast together. All awesome. of that good stuff. Thanks, Nicole. I'm happy to have you in my life too. 
And I've actually been keeping up with my resolutions for the most part. They are pretty simple this year. My main resolution has been not to buy lunch at work all the time. So I've been bringing in oat bowls. I'm getting known for my oat bowls every morning and yeah, washing my face, taking my vitamins, actually some pretty similar ones to yours. These are all things that I've been focused on and I'm holding strong so far. Knock on wood. Love it. We are doing great. Right? You know, I agree, but I'm actually having a pretty busy February. So last week I went to Maine and Kelsey, you won't believe this, but I saw a moose. Stop it. I did. And no, you know, you're, you'll you're never guess. Me. You'll never guess where I saw it. Where? On a ski slope in a gown. In a gown? <laughs> in a gown. I, so I went to my cousin's wedding. My cousin got married on a ski slope. I kid you not. He and his wife are avid skiers. They ski together all the time. She skied in her wedding dress right after the ceremony that was about 10 minutes long at Sunday River. It was very cool. It was super different. But yeah, I was in my, I, I had a coat for the ceremony, but I had, we took a photo, my husband and I, in you know, him in his suit and me in my my short sleeve dress in the snow with like the chairlift behind us at Sunday River. Wedding on the slopes with the moose right under the chairlift and right in the back of our photo. Photobombing us is this moose. I'll show you later. Stop it. Like a real moose? Mm-hmm. Like a real live moose? A real live moose. I'm so happy for you. You seem torn. I just want to be happy for you, but like I'm pretty jealous. I knew you I'm just, I'm mad about it. Yeah. I'm mad about it. I'm going to be honest, but I'm also happy for you. But also, moose are dead to me. It's the year of the buffalo. It's the year of the bison, and I'm going to see one when I am in Montana. Don't worry. You've got to be next. Okay. okay. I'm done with moose. Nicole, what are we talking about today? We are talking about one of the coolest places in New England. I know mm-hmm. on a, one of our most recent episodes, Diana, our senior director of product marketing, was on talking about one of her favorite tours in Maine. People go up to Maine for a quick weekend, and every time they post, I always feel like it's a scene out of a movie. It's always a quaint little town, and there's always lighthouses and lobster rolls and the ocean and birds. Maine's great. I love Maine. So we are going to be talking about our roaming coastal main tour with Cindy Baker, who we're so excited to introduce and and chat with today. And to prepare for this Maine-focused episode, we each brought some fun facts today to tell each other about Maine to see if we are introducing one another to facts we knew or did not know. So let's see. I know a lot of things, so let's see. And I did a lot of research. I dug deep to find these questions, and we'll see if I can stump you, Nicole. Okay. First question, which beloved children's book featuring a pig and a spider, I'm making it pretty easy for you, was imagined in a barn in North Brooklyn, Maine? Charlotte's Web, of course. Now, did you know that because you knew that it was a book that was imagined in Maine or was the spider and the pig like the big giveaway? The spider and the pig. Sorry. That'll be good, pig. That's good, pig. (laughs) What's the quote? I actually don't know. I haven't seen it in a very, very long time, but it was a favorite when I was a little girl. But yeah, E.B. White, the author, was inspired by his own farm in Maine. All right, what do you got for me? I want you to surprise me. Which horror novel set in a fictional Maine village became an iconic movie featuring a telekinetic prom disaster? Oh, Carrie by Stephen King. That would be my guess. Not because I knew it, but prom disaster was the kind of giveaway there. Yeah. I mean, it could have been Mean Girls, but yes, Carrie by Stephen King Stephen King's horror novels have become synonymous with Maine, and many of them are set in fictional Maine towns. In the spirit of that theme, I'm going to move on to my next question. This 1994 prison drama set in Maine 
won critical acclaim and has become a classic. Can you name it? Okay. Prison, 1994. I'll give you a hint. It's based on a story by Maine's most famous author. My first thought is Life, that one with Eddie Murphy, but I don't think that is in Maine. I think that's Southern, like it's in the South. So the other, I mean, my husband would be very upset with me if I don't say this because it's like all men's favorite movies, right? Is it Shawshank Redemption? You got it. I wasn't ah! When you started with Eddie Murphy, I wasn't expecting you to go to Shawshank. I, I think I only know two prison movies. I can't, can't think of another one. Yes, The Shawshank Redemption. So it was based on Stephen King's novella set in Maine, though the prison and the events are fictional. So Maine was the only real part of it. So far, it sounds like everything has been fiction except for the state. Okay, my turn. What is Maine's state nickname? The blank state. And I just entered it. And usually that's on the sign when you enter someplace. Can you give me a hint? It's not the moose state. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I know New Hampshire's live free or die. That's near it, Maine. It's not Maine. Um, so it's the not green. As is it like the Green Mountain State? Ooh, you're really close. It's not as theoretical. It's something that you can see and touch. The snowy state. No, it is the pine tree state. And it's pine aptly named state. because it has the most forest coverage of any U.S. state at 88%. Oh, wow. And now I'm wondering, is the Green Mountain State, is that a real state? Is that Vermont? That's Vermont. Oh, well, our producers are giving us a thumbs up. That's Vermont. It's Vermont. So it's close still to New Maine. England. It counts. I'm going to give it to you. Go ahead. Okay. Maine is home to L.L. Bean. What is L.L. Bean's best-selling item of all time? I am going to give you a hint because L.L. Bean sells a lot of stuff and they've been in business for a long time. Is it A, the Acadia Parka, B, the Maine hunting shoe, C, the signature flannel, or D, the boat and tote bag. Hmm. Before your multiple choice offerings, my immediate thought were those little rain boots that every single person in New England seems to wear. You know, they're like the duck shoes. They have like the rubber on the toe. But those weren't one of your options. So Is I'm going to go with the hunting boot because I don't know if that's what I'm thinking. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's the main hunting shoe, but you are correct. Oh God, you're <laughs> really good. You have good of? guesses. First Charlotte's Web and now the main hunting shoe. I'm really smart. Oh, and the prison drama. You knew the prison drama. I think I lost this round because of the whole Maine Vermont thing. I'm also really humble. No, I gave that one to you. I like when Josh is here because you guys are competitive. I get to be the host. I get to know all the questions and the answers and I don't have to feel this pressure. Okay. Here's the last one that I have. All right. Which long running detective television series features a writer solving mysteries in a fictional Maine village? Is the writer solving mysteries... A teapot in an animated movie. Yes. Okay. Angela Lansbury, Murder, She Wrote. There you go. I think that was you a good won, guess. though. No, but I think you won. I, I'll share my win with you. Thank you. I feel like a winner after seeing the moose and now being good at trivia. It's been a good yeah. week. It's been a great week. So you got that, Nicole. But how about this one? What was the name of the main character and what was the name of the town she lived in. My husband watched Murder, She Wrote with his mother. He would know this. Oh, Angela Lansbury, her name was, was it Kathy something? Am I thinking of Misery? Kathy Bates. That's Misery. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking of Kathy Bates. No, 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 no. I know Angela Lansbury. She she played, it wasn't Agatha Christie because that's a real life author. She from Maine. So much pressure. Give me a hint on either her first or her last name. There's a famous rabbit named this. 
Beatrix Potter, a rabbit? Jessica? Jessica! Jessica! <laughs> that's right. She's Jessica. Oh, she's Jessica something with an L? Jessica, and then the last name's an L? No. What's the last name begin with? An F. Jessica Flanders. Ooh, so close. Replace that D with the T. Jessica Flanders? Fletcher. Jessica Fletcher. Okay. I wasn't getting there, actually. What about the town she lived in? Maine. Fictional town in Maine that she lived in. Rabbit Springs, Maine. Yes. <laughs> or also known as Cabot Cove, Maine. For real? Cabot Cove? Because Cabot sounds like rabbit. I know. I was going to say that, which is which is really funny. Okay, I <laughs> Do you want to follow, follow up follow-up question? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because clearly I know this category very well. Go for it. I mean, you're killing it. Jessica Fletcher, the sleuth of murder she wrote, has a remarkably high case closure rate. But can you guess just how many murders she solved throughout the show's 12-season run? 12 seasons, 20 episodes a season, but probably not every time she solved one. I'm going to say 130 murders. So Jessica Fletcher solved an impressive total of 264 cases, making Cabot Cove one of the most dangerous places per capita on television. And that's funny because we're talking about how many murders she solved, but how many murders did she actually write during the show? Hmm? That's a follow-up question for you, Kelsey. Twelve. Nice. I don't have um, an answer, but yeah, I know. My husband really likes Alfred Hitchcock, murder she wrote. I mean, today he likes thrillers, mysteries, horrors, like all of that as well. But it's that nostalgic, when you get like Hitchcock, Vertigo, Psycho, just the older movies, there's something very nostalgic about the storytelling. And I think Murder, She Wrote has that a little bit too. It's very different from today's mysteries. Hmm. I'll look into it. He likes that, yeah. All right. So we're really excited to be joined today by Cindy Baker from Travel Bliss. So hi, Cindy. Hi. Welcome. Hi. I'm happy to be here. Hi. Great to be here. Cindy, um, welcome to the show. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for coming on. And one of the things I'm really excited to talk about is your personal why for traveling, because I think it's so fascinating and something that a lot of people can relate to. So tell me about why you travel, why you started Travel Bliss, why travel means so much to you. Well, I started Travel Bliss at a time when it was actually quite a hard time in my life. I'd gone through a year where I was having a really hard time, you know, I was in a job that was incredibly demanding and it wasn't really making me happy. And I thought, you know, if ever there was a time after many bad things happened, you're reminded that life is short. Uh, it was really a knock upside the head. And I really began to think I need to spend more time in my life doing what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's travel. I love to learn about the world, um, just experience all that there is out there. And it really changes your whole mindset about how you really want to be spending your time. What I decided was that I didn't want to spend 100% of my time sitting in front of a computer working most of the time, which is what I was doing, really, mm. other than your, you know, two weeks vacation in a year. I decided that I wanted to spend much more time uh, traveling and seeing the world. And so I rearranged my life to be able to do that. I feel like it's such an important thing that you're saying because travel does make everything feel new. It makes you feel alive in a different kind of way. Because when you're in the 
day-to-day, whether it's sitting on a computer or, or any routine, you're so familiar with what your expe- your expectations are pretty set all the time, what you're going to see, what you're going to do, who you're going to talk to. So it's easy to get sucked into your phone or the news. And I think when you're traveling, it's like your eyes are wide open because the scenery is new. The people are new. The accents, the languages, the sense of where you are in relation to everything else, it's all surprising. And I think it just kind of makes you look at the world with your eyes wide open. And most of us are often not doing that, especially in this digital age. Yes. I mean, I it's important to say, because I have had some comments, it's important to say it's not going to solve life's problems, but I do think your happiness will increase if you're doing more of what you love. And like mm-hmm. you say, it's really a mental break. It's And at the same time, it's an education. You know, there's a quote that I really enjoy that um, I love this book. It's called The Geography of Bliss. And the author, Eric Weiner, he went around to all sorts of different places in the world to find out what makes people happy. And what he said is travel is essential the way books and hugs are essential. It feeds your soul. And that's very much the way I feel about it. Oh, that's so true. I love that. I, you know, I personally love what I do. Nicole, I know you do as well. And I, cause I've been here with Colette for a decade now and I joke with people all the time. How would you, how do you leave travel and go to anything else? Because it's just so exciting doing what we do every day on a daily basis. I get to speak to, you know, people from different countries, from different backgrounds with different beliefs and traditions. And I get to learn every day and by meeting new people, um, And that's what travel is for me. And that's how I find the bliss within it. So I love that. But my question is, what are your top, you know, three or four tips for people to find their bliss while traveling? I think one of the things is plan some activities where you're actually doing something local. You're actually, as you say, talking to people as opposed to just looking at stuff. I mean, it's certainly when you travel, you want to see the sights. But I think you get more of an experience when you're doing something, talking to people, trying the local food, uh, that kind of thing. Um, Another thing I think I would say is slow down. You know, we make these, uh, you know, I can kind of poke fun at travel bloggers because we make all these lists of the top 10 things you have to see. And sure, we put those things on the list because they're worth seeing. But Besides that, be sure to take some pockets of time in your schedule where you're not rushing to the next thing. Um, I love to take some time just to wander, even get lost, or just to sit in a square and try whatever the local food or drink is and watch the people go by. And I guess the last thing I would say is uh, step out of your comfort zone a little bit. You know, try do something that maybe you're not used to doing or even something that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. I was in the Dolomites in Italy recently, and I have a fear of walking on cliff ledges if there's no big fence to hold me, mainly because I'm clumsy and I'm afraid of tripping over my own feet. I didn't know I had that. I have that same fear. I didn't know it till you said it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not well. actually scared. It's very valid. I'm not actually, yeah, I'm not actually scared of heights. I'm scared of myself, actually. But I went on this trip and it was a photography tour. And the coach 
or the guide really pushed me and was like, you know, you know, this is where you're going to get the best shot. Here, let me help you. And he walked on the side of the ledge for me to, you know, help make me more comfortable. And at the end of it, I was really proud of myself and I felt really good about it. And um, so I think, yeah, try to step out of your comfort zone just a little. I think that's such an important rule of thumb with travel and in general, like with pursuing something that will bring you joy because it likely might be just breaking out of your routines, just doing something that's not part of your everyday. And I think travel just by its nature does that. And it's a great, it is a great rule of thumb to get to know the locals, to try to jump into the, to the culture, meet new people and get out of your comfort zone. And I love what you said about um, wandering and getting, getting a little bit lost. I think it's very cool. Like they, there, a lot of people will feel like you find yourself on tour. You know, you really get to know yourself. And I think it's that same spirit of getting a little bit lost and figuring something out about yourself, maybe how you navigate that new path or um, how you feel when you're a little bit lost. And it can tell you a lot about yourself and bring a, a deep sense of self too, which I love. I love that feeling. You you just, you know, it's especially wonderful when you're in small towns with lots of little winding streets and cobblestones. And instead of pursuing, you know, the thing you're supposed to see, you just look down the lane and think, well, that looks interesting. And you just follow your nose, or in my case, my camera, and uh, just wander and see whatever you see. Something you said on Travel Bliss on your page really resonated with me. You said, the pursuit of Travel Bliss is a subjective one. It includes many things, nature, dynamic cities, cafes with character, books, luxury, and decadent desserts. And it's also about learning stuff, connecting with people, and hopefully doing something good along the way. I absolutely love that. I One of my favorite things to do when I'm traveling is to sit in a cafe, drink a cup of coffee, and just look around, like look at the people, look at the place I'm in. I love um, doing that in any city I can. Certain places, it's like Paris or something, sitting in a cafe is even more magical, but um, it is about the experience and the people. It is about doing those things, but for everybody, it is different. So that feeling of bliss for me might be very different for, for Kelsey or for you, but it's the idea of having things that you look forward to wherever you go that bring you that feeling of happiness. Exactly. It it might be quite specific for anyone. And and I and that's why I say one of the key things is, you know, look at your destination and think about is there something you can plan that is something you truly love? I mean, things that I love, I mentioned there is books. So I always look, is there a beautiful library in the city where I'm going? Um, I just came back from Prague and I visited three libraries there. Some people might think, well, that's pretty geeky, but that's, uh, you know, that's something I really like. Um, and it may not be the same for everyone. The sitting in the square and sipping some wine and watching the people go by, I would think everybody loves to do that, in my mind anyway. I love that. You said that going to a library sounds geeky. Not the word I would use. So unique. I love how unique that idea is. It's so simple, too, because everywhere you go is going to have some form of literature, either a store or a library. And as you two were just chatting about what pieces of travel bring you joy, and I was envisioning myself in the square with you two as Nicole was 
you know, drinking her glass of wine. And Cindy, you were just viewing the people. It's the food for me. So this past year, I got to uh, travel to Spain and very, I can see it in my head. We were in a square sitting down and instead of a glass of wine, it was uh, Chudos with the dipping hot dipping chocolate. And it's experiences like that for me that I find just the ultimate travel experience because it's so traditional to what these people do on a regular basis. At 10 a.m., everybody stops and goes and has a, a churro with, cho- with chocolate, which sounds so exciting for me, for us Americans, I think. But like it's just a, an everyday thing. I love the regularness of it, of sitting down and doing it. It's always the food. Well, I sometimes joke that I travel for dessert. And um, I mean, there are things <laughs> that I, I just dream about, um, you know, in Portugal. It's almost as though I'll go to Portugal just to have a really good pastel donata, you know, those little egg custard tarts. Um, those are delicious. Churros with chocolate. I will try chocolate no matter where I go. Um, I remember going to Belgium <laughs> and in Bruges and I bought 100 grams of chocolate at five different uh, chocolate shops just so I could compare. So, yes, I am all over that. I love 100 grams of chocolate in Belgium. I would take part in that study session with you. Let me know next time we have to go compare chocolate. I'll be there. I will be there as well. (laughs) It's very important research as a travel blogger. Yeah, we have to do it. Got to do the research no matter how much weight we gain. Now, you (laughs) went on one of our tours last year. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience on roaming coastal Maine? Yes, it was lovely. And, you know, Maine is a place that I have always wanted to go. I just love the ocean. And again, you have these small towns with cobblestone streets. You have wonderful uh, food items and you have nature. Um, The rugged coastline, uh, Acadia National Park. It was a, a really good slice of quintessential New England. And what made you choose Maine? Because it, it's it is a beautiful place. It's becoming so popular. Was it just somewhere that you wanted to go and explore more of, or something because of its nature that you wanted to explore? I think it's very much the coastline. It has this rugged coastline. You know, when you talk about finding your bliss, just sitting there on a rock on the coast and watching the waves crash. And the other thing, it has lobster. And when we're talking about food, you can't go wrong with that. No, and I got to watch your reel, and it was amazing about the the lobster experience on the tour. Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, that was a funny one because, you know, I grew up in the prairies in Canada, which means I am not a good sailor. So that was a little bit of stepping out of my comfort zone because I wasn't sure just how well I was going to do on that boat. I kept my eyes glued to the horizon and it all worked out really well. But it was really interesting. I learned so much about lobster fishing. It's quite, you know, most of the lobsters, they're caught within three miles of shore. It's quite a uh, difficult way to make a living, although very rewarding one for sure. And I really enjoyed that. I think it's so cool, too, to see the locals, um, to meet the locals in that experience when you're doing the lobster demonstration. It just gives you that feeling of being part of something that's a huge, something Maine's known for is it's it's fresh seafood and just to be part of it in such a hands-on way and to get to talk to someone who, this is their life year-round. I think that's part of the experience. It's so fun. Now, we have to ask, 
How many lobster rolls did you have? And was it the New England style or the Connecticut style? I had three lobster rolls. I believe they were all New England style. I was definitely determined to try them in as many places as possible. <laughs> Not even sure what the Connecticut style is. So I actually challenged myself to have as much lobster as humanly possible in the summer. I love lobster rolls. So the New England style is the cold with like the mayo and the celery. And then the Connecticut style is warm with warm butter. I think I've only had New England then. I like the Connecticut one. I mean, but I mean, like, who? I just love lobster rolls. <laughs> I'd have to try it. <laughs> and in addition to the lobster, you also did an oyster shucking with the local, right? Yes. And that was just fascinating. When we talk about, you know, things that you've never really thought about, it turns out oyster farming is a really tough business. It's subject to the weather, the climate. Of course, the um, owner mentioned that they pretty much lost all their business during the pandemic. Most of the people that work there have to have other jobs in order to make a living of it. And yet they still do it. I mean, there was something she said. She said, you know, we spend a lot of time weeding and cleaning and doing pest control. And it's the best job I've ever had in my entire life. And, you know, it's something about people who have such a passion for what they do. It really inspires me. That probably resonated well with you and just in general, your pursuit of joy and seeing people who have found their why as well, doing what they love. Very much so. And I'm always so impressed when you see someone who discovers what that is. I think many of us search for, you know, what is our why? What is it we really love? And, and then you see this person who just lights up showing you how to shuck an oyster. It's not easy to shuck either. Like those are no. it. <laughs> I've done one, I, not in Maine, but I have done an oyster shucking demonstration. It's very difficult and um, a little bit dangerous too. You have to know exactly what you're doing and you do need a professional. Yes. She had the uh, glove that protects your hand in case the knife slips. And you could see it takes some uh, strength in your hands as well. Absolutely. And, and uh, not to go too f far into the whole food thing. I know food is such a huge part, like you guys were saying before on, on traveling. Um, but I have to ask, what is a holy donut? Because you mentioned it as well from this trip. <laughs> I, I have to say it's something I've never heard of and I am dying to know more about. Well, this is the eye trouble for dessert thing. Um, the Holy Donut is a shop. Well, I think there's now about four shops, but it was started by a Portland woman who felt like the city could use a better donut. And also um, she makes them with perhaps a surprising ingredient that is a crop staple in Maine, and that's potatoes. So it's a donut made with potatoes. And she started this one shop and now... As I say, there's several, and there was a lineup out the door every time that I went by there. And I tried one. It was an apple cider donut. The flavor was excellent. It's a little bit heavier donut than you might be used to, so you have to kind of be, you don't want to have this really after a big meal. It's kind of a mid-morning snack. <laughs> Cindy, I think you and I would be really great travel companions. We seem to be interested in all the same stuff. Um, you know, finding the joy, meeting the people, eating all the food that we can, and nature. So you were talking about nature before. 
Can you tell us a little bit about Acadia National Park and what you found wonderful there? I think my favorite thing in Acadia National Park was probably when we stopped at Thunder Hole. And this is kind of a cave inlet into the rugged coastline. And when the ocean swells, it makes the sound of thunder as the water hits the sides of the cave. And I thought it was just a wonderful place to sit and watch the ocean crash on the rocks and into this cave. It was just breathtaking, really. And also the views. The very, very first stop in Acadia National Park, we stopped on a peak and looked out over the ocean and the islands and Bar Harbor in the distance. And the uh, leaves were just starting to turn. I would love to go back when the fall foliage is in full color. Mm, I love the fall foliage. In Maine, I don't think there's anything more beautiful than how the foliage, how bright and colorful it gets there. Now, Cindy, did you travel with somebody or did you go solo on this trip? I was solo on this trip. I think a guided tour like this is perfect for solo travelers. You know, you meet other people. If you want to do your own thing, you can do your own thing during the free time. But if you're, you can want to have someone to have dinner with, I met lots of lovely people on the trip, lots of good conversations. So I think it's the best of both worlds for solo travelers. Absolutely. I think guided is a great way to go if you want to go places and you want to go on your own, because you're right. I love doing things by myself, but it is nice also to have people to share certain experiences with or talk through your day with. So you do, you get the opportunity to be with like-minded people but also have that independence to just do exactly what you want to do. And especially if you're pursuing something that's for you, you get to just kind of do everything that's on your list, which is nice. You had mentioned, I think you were speaking about maybe Prague earlier, that you like to follow your camera. I know that you are also an an award-winning travel photographer. Were there any moments in Maine that you followed your camera and got some amazing shots? I would definitely say that I spent quite a bit of time on the old piers. The first day we were there, it was a brilliant, sunny, blue sky day when the sky is just that brightest blue it can be. And the reflections in the water in the port of the old lobster traps, of the fishing shacks. And I just wandered down every pier and every corner peered down all these little laneways, and that was fabulous for some beautiful reflection photography. You know what I love? I love that you are travel bliss, and you're all about finding joy in travel. And I feel, I don't know if maybe I was just reading too much into it, but you're all about finding the positive even through any negative. Like Like the rain, yeah. Like the rain. Somebody might complain that it's raining, but it excites you, or that there's a puddle and somebody might not want to walk on the puddle, but to you, you see this beautiful vision of of reflected buildings, um, keeping things simple and finding the joy. And I, that was a really beautiful message. I just, I wanted to reflect on that. Absolutely. As I say, it always keeps things interesting. You had mentioned in one of your reels not to forget to stop and smell the flowers, and it was on the botanical gardens. I can only imagine that you had some amazing photos there. That was just a gorgeous place to visit. It's 300 acres of gardens, forest, flowers, 
And then there's these fascinating sculptures of these trolls that, and they're huge. They're really something amazing. And they come with environmental messages. They're called the guardians of the seeds. And you can have a lot of fun hunting, trying to find all of these trolls. But there was a little bit of fall color. And what I was also really surprised in October is there were a lot of flowers blooming. So I really did enjoy, you know, taking close up pictures of the flowers and walking through the forest and yes, actually getting a little bit lost. And although I like to take a lot of photos, it is important to stop and just look around also. As I say, stop and smell the roses or stop and look at the flowers and and just realize what a gorgeous place you're in. Now, did you get to a library in Maine? Only outside of one, there was a library in uh, Camden that had this beautiful exterior and it was in a park and it looked really charming. I know that Camden was like a great, I know you you highlighted it as a a small town that was worth going to. What what was your favorite part about Camden? It's just, it's a classic New England small town, I think. It's very much a port community with a very pretty harbor. It has a main street with all kinds of cute shops. And again, lots of opportunity to go in and chat with local people. Went into one shop that, a lavender shop, which was not something I expected to find in Maine. And she makes lavender soaps and sachets from lavender that comes from a local farm in Maine. I had a cupcake there that was absolutely to die for, a lemon cream cupcake. And then you just step behind the main street and there's a waterfall and the port and a park with this cute library. So it just, it really makes you feel that this is, you get a chance to see how local people live. It's not just the tourist thing. Sounds beautiful. It does sound like the quintessential, what you picture when you picture Maine. I mean, you picture Portland Head and you picture towns like that. That cupcake sounds pretty good too, though. Oh, it really was. And it, it was funny because I, I, it was not something I needed in the moment, but I couldn't resist looking <laughs> in this cupcake shop. So I ate this cupcake while I was walking and kind of made a mess and it was all just fun and wonderful. It's like the perfect, perfect day out on the road, right? <laughs> just exploring and eating your cupcake. It's just, <laughs> count me in. Paint a beautiful picture. Do you have any uh, practical tips for going on the tour? Something that you um, had packed that you were grateful that you were that you had packed or something that maybe you didn't pack that you wish you had? I think it would be important to have comfortable walking shoes with a good grip. In Portland, you're walking on cobblestones and you're also walking in Acadia National Park. So I think don't worry about the fashion. Go for the good practical shoes. I think you need uh, to make sure you pack rain gear. Um, We were very lucky and really didn't have much rain, but this is a coastal place, so you want to be prepared for that. And I mean, I went in October, so I took a fleece jacket, which I definitely used when we were out on the water on the lobster boat. It's uh, quite chilly on the ocean, but those would be the main things. Now, Cindy, did you um, have you been on a guided tour before, or was this your first time trying a guided tour? Uh, yes, I have been on some other guided tours before. So when you are on a guided tour um, versus when you go on your own, what is the experience for you? Why do you think somebody would consider choosing guided? I think a guided tour 
is an excellent way to find your travel bliss, really. You don't have to worry about things. You don't have to worry about the logistics. Oh, how am I getting to such a place? Or where can I go eat tonight? You're not spending time figuring things out. You're spending time in the moment enjoying the destination. Plus, you get the opportunity to have experiences that you might not otherwise find, like the oyster shucking or the lobster boat, where you are talking to local people and learning about the local experience. So you're getting a lot of good information. And as we mentioned earlier, I think it's, uh, to me, it's a great idea for solo travelers because you, it's perfectly safe. You don't have to worry about driving at night by yourself. You have companions for dinner if you want it. I think a guided tour is really the way to go for a lot of situations. I think the other thing on this tour, there was a really good mix of free time and time with organized activities. And that's really important to me is that you have some time to go and do whatever you want, or as I say, to follow my camera wherever I want to go. Um, but at the same time, you have these local, truly local experiences that are arranged for you. You don't have to worry about all of the logistics and the research. But with your goal being, as you travel, to find joy, to find bliss, what moments or moment in Maine do you feel that really brought that home for you? I would say, I think, being by the ocean. I find the ocean just mesmerizing. We went to the Portland headlight, and I already mentioned Thunder Hole. And when you just get to sit and watch the ocean crash in onto the shoreline, it's just one of the greatest things in nature to see. And uh, that really brought me joy. And then, well, yeah, there's the lobster. <laughs> I think lobster always brings everybody joy. I concur. <laughs> so what's next uh, for Travel Bliss now? Any upcoming trips or plans that you have? Well, I'm Canadian, so I'm always looking for a beach at this time of year. But I think the big plans this year, we talked earlier about uh, bucket lists. And I've had uh, an item uh, number one on my bucket list for some years. And I am determined to make that happen this year. And that is a trip to Botswana. Um, Botswana is a country that has more uh, conservation land than any other countries in Africa. So you will see more unspoiled nature and wildlife there than just about anywhere else. And that's really been a dream of mine to go there. And I really want to make that happen. I almost wish you made us guest first, because for some reason I had a feeling you were going to say some kind of safari in Africa. <laughs> it just seems to really be your, what brings you joy is the nature and the animals. Yes. And, it, and it's absolutely true. I like a little bit of everything, but a number of the things at the top of my list are uh, nature oriented. Yeah. Well, thank you, Cindy, so much for sharing your stories and your insights. Uh, if you're listening now, make sure you give Cindy a follow on Instagram and Facebook. Her handle is at Travel Bliss Now, and her website is TravelBlissNow.com. Thank you so much, Cindy, for joining us. Thank you. It was really fun. And after you uh, have listened to this episode and you are ready to go to Maine, make sure you do not forget to pack 
your healthy sense of appetite. Your walking shoes with a good grip. Or your camera. Or your camera. <laughs> there was a lot this week. This week. Don't forget a to pack. A lot that you need to pack. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in. 